what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, I'm a management consultant and I specialize in meaning and purpose. I'm an organizational logotherapist, social scientist, and author. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. And by listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders who make work a place where we can thrive and organizations that better the world. Glad you're here. Our guest today is Joanne Heyman. She's the founder and CEO of Heyman Partners and is widely recognized as a transformative force for good, bringing a mission-driven focus to institutions across sectors, cultures, and countries. I affectionately refer to her as, as the modern renaissance woman, as she's also served as the founding executive director of the Urban Zen Foundation, and has also served as the executive director of the International Center in New York, vice president of the corporations of, of Yado, and managing director of the Financial Services Volunteer Corps, and as a senior advisor to the Goldman Sachs Foundation and the American Jewish World Service, among many other distinguishing endeavors. She joins us today from New York City. Johan, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much, Elise. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this conversation. You know, it's just great when I meet really amazing, like-minded souls from across the globe who are doing amazing things to lift up humanity, make the world a better place, increase fulfillment, and just have fun in the process. Absolutely. Amen. Right? Having fun in the process. Yeah. Well, so let's also celebrate you. Um, you have the, the the glorious distinction, Joanne, of being episode number 300 on Working on Purpose. How cool is that? Wow. Lucky 300. Okay. Let's do something with that. Um, okay. So to get started here, so our guests and our viewers understand why I call you a Renaissance woman. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of where you've come from. Um, just briefly, what makes you you? Some of those sure. things. Thank you. And, and I, I so appreciate the very kind label of Renaissance woman. <laughs> I actually feel myself as an omnivore, which may be a little bit closer given mm -hmm. a number of my appetites. Um, you know, Elise, I am a, I'm a very curious person who is interested in it and enjoys many, many different things. And when I look back at my career path and what led me to it, it wasn't a grand plan. It wasn't a scheme all laid out. It was really following opportunity and passion and desire throughout the course of my education and, and my career. Um, I, I think I combined that curiosity with a, you know, decent enough appetite for risk. And so have been able to move through a career that was not only really rewarding, but ended up creating building blocks that led me to where I am now. So I, I started off um, thinking that I was going to be a lawyer. 
got to college, was was introduced to a literature course that blew my mind. And I didn't actually realize that one could spend a lot of time in school picking apart text. Um, and so really sort of delved into to literature, had a chance to live overseas. And, and the early part of my career was about this kind of international exploration and text exploration. Uh, and I spent a, you know, a lot of time working, working in development, um, got, went back and got a graduate degree in international political economy. And so got to exercise a lot of these kind of questions and passions and connections that were very meaningful. The, the first 25 years of my career, so please nobody do the math here, uh, but the first 25 years of my career was all in not-for-profit organizations and philanthropic institutions. And so I'm very much wired as a mission-driven person and had the opportunity to get in on the ground floor of some great organizations um, or to participate in some turnaround. So I spent 25 years in senior management, probably when I shouldn't have been, but it was just kind of the way, the, the place that I landed. Um, and so learned an awful lot about what it takes to design and deliver programming and to grow an organization that can have a sustained impact. And having been a, a first executive director in some places, a turnaround specialist in others, I, I looked back and said, okay, there's a lot of experience here in this pro-social sector, but I want to work and live differently. And so speaking of anniversaries, Heyman Partners opened its virtual doors on November 1st, 2010. So I'm about to celebrate my 10th anniversary on, on Sunday. And I, I kind of looked at the, the aggregate of everything I'd learned and done and observed in 25 years and said, how can I continue to be of service, but to do it in a different way? And so I created Heyman Partners as a, um, a consulting practice to try to bring that collected experience and perspective and to do it and sit next to somebody who was doing the same thing. So really sort of at their right hand. I had the good fortune during this transition of meeting a woman who became my coach. And so I saw up close and personal the power of coaching. So for the past 10 years, after having gone through a training program with her company, I've been able to weave together the consulting and coaching uh, in a way that I believe can be truly beneficial to individuals and teams as they go out in the world and try to do something extraordinary. That was breathtaking and stunning, Joanne. Thank you for a great start. Wow. And listeners and viewers, think about that, right? How can you take your full sum total person and bring that into the world and be of the highest value and have great gobs of fun at the same time? I mean, that's what we're going for here. So <laughs> what, a, what a way to start. So I, I don't know if you can do this or not, Joanne, but try. Um, I just wanted to see if you could take a, a few of the pearls or some of the things that you, you pull from your, your study or your resources that you think particularly inform the way you do your work. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, I don't want to overdo the talk about curiosity. It's, it's such an important thread, but there, there are a number of, of resources that I draw on that are both textual, um, and their practices and their people. So I am a yoga practitioner and I meditate. So there's a lot in terms of contemplative practices that I bring to my work, which really helps me with noticing mm. and listening and paying attention both to myself and to whomever I'm working with, and to also encourage them to do the same. 
I'm also constantly reading. There are I can't even list the number of extraordinary writers and and, and thinkers who who I tap into on a regular basis. But there is a a, a school of, of of management that you may be familiar with called Adaptive Leadership mm-hmm. that I am very much enamored with and and try to to tease out a number of the most accessible practices and make those available to my clients. Um, I also went through my friend Seth Godin's Alt-MBA program a number of years ago, which is amazing. And if you've got got enough thirst to drink from a fire hose, I highly recommend it. Um, and it was just you know, a, a, um, an entryway to yet another large number of thinkers and writers and practices. So I'm very happy to list them, you know, after the show and people can see some of my favorites. But, but I think that this adaptive leadership, the contemplative practices, and then a, a resource that I draw on a lot is parenting. And I'm very fortunate that I've raised my children with my, with my husband, who's an extraordinary parent. And there's so much we learn from our children. No there's so much that we learn in trying to help shape them and give and do do what good coaches do, which is not always tell you what to do, but help you figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I use that as a touchstone in, in my own work and encourage others to do the same as well. Mm, Joanne is gorgeous. And I align on so much of that, too. There's a reason I continue hosting this radio show, because I, I'm also feeding my voracious appetite to learn and grow and, and remain curious. So I get a lot of what you were saying. Um, okay, so next let's dive into, for, for listeners of yours that don't really understand what we mean by transformational growth, I'd like to hear your defini- definition of that first, if you mm-hmm. would. Sure. So for me, transformational growth isn't about just solving a problem or acquiring a skill. It's becoming the person or organization you were meant to be. Yes, I love that. Me too. That's what I call it too. Okay, so why this space? You and I are working in the same camp. Why this? We're not aeronautical engineers. We're not marketing extraordinaires. Although I guess we kind of are really. We're not accountants. Maybe we are that too. But we're 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 in transformational growth. Why this space? You know, I feel that the that the world is calling us to be in this space. Mm-hmm. I, and this was even pre-COVID, and we can talk about what what the COVID moment is is asking of all of us. But I think for many people. And, and I want to be really clear here, Elise, for people who are in a position to make choices, and not everybody can make choices about their career and their life, but for those people who are in that very fortunate position to make choices, for transformational growth is the opportunity to, to, to really step into your purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and great. And, and, and also I want to be really clear. We don't all know what our purpose is all the time, right? It's not as if it's this thing that's sort of like stuck to our forehead and you're like, oh yeah, just look in the mirror and it's there. It requires some work to get there. Um, but I think at least I am in this space because if you're going to do the work, do the work that matters. Work smart, work well, work for something that has meaning and sustainability. Mm-hmm. That's bigger than you. Well, let's do grab what you just said. What is COVID calling of us? I think it's calling um, us to be nimble, to be open, to be okay with not having the answers. There's no playbook for this. Um, and I'm not talking about the, the extraordinary scientists and, and others who are working for Q. I'm talking about not having answers as either as individuals or as leaders um, in companies or leaders of, of our own lives. I think it's saying get comfortable with not knowing the answer 
Get comfortable with trying some things and seeing how they work. Suspend judgment. See how things go. And also, listen in a way maybe we haven't listened before to other people. Really observe what is going on. How, you know, how is your team doing? How is your family doing? Don't make any assumptions. Ask questions. And so it's creating an opportunity for stronger bridges to be built if we're willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. I'm completely in line with that, Joanne. Okay, so now I'll, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people who are actually listening to this or watching this are on because they want to understand the, the possibility um, of going from a job to working from purpose. And so you've, a lot of the, your work focuses on, on helping people transition from jobs to mm-hmm. work of purpose. And so I don't know if what you when you talk about jobs, what you mean by that, if that's a J-O-B or something else. But mm-hmm. why this particular work? Why go from a job, which, which is perfectly great for a lot of people, to working from purpose? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and I'm going to give you an answer. I don't know if this is what you were anticipating. You might stay in the same job and still work from purpose. Yes, ma'am. It's not just about saying, oh, go get a better job. Go do that thing. You might find that thinking about the work you do differently and having that unbelievably important mindset shift can get you into purpose where you are. Not always. There may be those times when, yes, shifting a position, a company, an industry is what is in order. Or it may be, how do you take a step back and say, what am I really doing here? How am I showing up? Am I making the kind of contribution that I'm capable of? And so working from purpose is not just or only about changing the external environment. It's changing the internal environment. Agreed. Agreed completely. I have to quickly share with you because you just brought this up. You're so right. That attitude, that internal mindset change is so important. Uh, My research on modes of engagement, which I found 15 modes of engagement when I looked at levels of meaning and how the work either informed or detracted from the person. Um, In my research, I interviewed a, a chef who, when I interviewed him, Joanne, during the course of the 90 minute conversation, he fell into tears five times. He was so miserable in his work. He hated his job. He hated his boss who was screaming. Um, he felt like my, I'm working all the time. So my, my family isn't. I work Friday and Saturday night. I'm stuck in this job because I make a lot of money and I've got to pay my ex-wife. I mean, he just was, it was awful. He was in the blessed, the least possible mode that you could experience fulfillment, actually negatively impacting his identity called existential crisis. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how I felt when I thought about I'm going to part of my design was I have to come back and share you know the results with these people and see if they agree with my assessment of how they were doing at the time. And um, that was and, and it was part of my, you know, my collaboration and, and check process. So I was not looking forward to the call with this guy. I mean, who do you do you want to tell somebody, look, you're an existential crisis. <laughs> so the, the, the call comes and he, he, picks up the and he goes, Elise, I'm so glad to hear from you. I've gone from, from existential crisis all the way up to conflicted fit. I'm in such a better place. <laughs> he goes, he goes, here's what happened. He goes, after you shared the, the transcript with me of my interview, I shared it with my wife and my mom who sobbed when they read it because they had no idea how badly I felt. And so they changed their connection with me and their support of me. And I began to see, look, you know, my boss is still going to be a jerk. He's still going to yell at me. I'm still going to have the same crappy hours. But you know what? I make a lot of money and I can send my kids to college. And they think where I work is pretty cool. So they're proud of me. 
So even though he was not really in a fulfilled place still, he was doing the right work, but in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. He, he totally changed how he was connected to his work and his experience of it just from his mindset, just like you were saying. Amazing. So powerful, right? So powerful. So we are sisters from a different different mother, I'm sure of it. But uh, let's grab our first break. I'm Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Joanne Heyman. She is the founder and CEO of Heyman Partners and is a widely recognized as a, rec- as a transformative force for good, bringing a mission-driven focus to institutions across sectors, cultures, and countries. She joins us today from New York City. We've been talking about how it is she got into this camp and how she brings her full person to it. After the break, we're going to talk more about some of the tools and messages that she uses in her work to bring her people fully alive. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you, if you aren't already aware, we've launched the Gusto Now site. And it's a transformation e-learning platform dedicated to awakening meaning, passion, inspiration, purpose in individuals and leaders. It features leadership and professional development courses in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. You can learn more at gusto-now.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter listed at the bottom of the homepage and stay informed of these radio episodes and to get access to our proprietary tools, videos, and resources. If you're just joining us, my guest is Joanne Heyman, founder and CEO of Heyman Partners, and she's widely recognized as a transformative force for good, bringing a mission-driven focus to institutions across sectors, cultures, and countries. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So, Joanne, I want to get into this segment here, talking about some of the core things that you stand for, and I I got this from our conversations and also by looking at your your videos, your blogs, etc., so I know that one of the things that you do when you coach people is you have them start with addressing the impact they want to make. Mm-hmm. Why start there? I think one of the smartest things you can do is not just start with sort of right up in front of your face, but where do you want to end up? Mm, I so like I encourage my, my clients, again, whether I'm working with an individual or with the team, what, why? Why are we doing this? What is it that we're looking to accomplish? over you know over time with effort with resources and so if you if you start with that and you have that as your north star then you can develop strategies for how to get there and so if you know where you're going it's much easier to figure out what you need to do and that need to do right right if you're an organization can be a series of products or services or programs or strategic alliances lots of different things if you're an individual developing particular skills relationships, doing research, taking risks, as I mentioned before. And so starting with the end point is very important. Now, impact is, is to me one of the sort of the juiciest kinds of endpoints because that is, gosh, why are we here? 
right? You talk about purpose. I talk about impact, very similar things. I believe that all of us can have a, a positive impact on the world if we are intentional about it. And so it's about setting that intention, not in a woo-woo way, although we can go woo-woo, right, if we want to, but really in a very practical way. What is the impact I'm looking to have? What is the impact we are looking to have? And then, okay, now we design the steps to get there. Mm, I like it. And again, I'm aligned. Okay. So another thing that you talk about, which again, I'm fully aligned with is you talk about the necessity of obstacles and stress along the journey to growth. Why do you think they're important to us and how do they serve us? Um, and I we, love that wicked smile, by the way, whatever was behind <laughs> that smile. I like it. <laughs> we talked about it for a long time. So as I mentioned at the start of this discussion, I was a student of literature. So if you know, like, there's no great story that you read that's just like, oh, easy peasy, and everything's fine, and there's no conflict, and we get to the end. I mean, how boring would that be? Um, obstacles are important because they teach us something. Mm -hmm. They teach us something about ourselves. They teach us something about other people. They teach us something about the world, and they offer us an opportunity to grow. So back to your question about transformational growth, it's very hard to grow if everything just comes to you. If there is, if the, if there is no, if there is no pea in the, you know, and the princess in the pea bed, if, if there's no, if there's no log across the path, if there is no stream that you have to afford, we learn who we are and we learn what we're capable of when we face and overcome adversity. Now, I'm not saying we should be inviting it in all the time. It's nice to have a day, a week, a month, or a year without too much of it, but if we see adversity as having something to teach us, again, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about, about mindset. Then we're like, okay, what do I need to learn about myself, a person, a situation, the world, etc.? cetera. Mm -hmm. So that aligns with my, my work in logotherapy, which teaches that we need a tension between who we are today and who we're trying to become tomorrow. We need that. It's actually essential for well-being, right? So again, you and I could probably finish each other's sentences, so it's probably pretty scary. Sorry, listeners and viewers, this is going to be a freaky, this is a pre-Halloween show, right? <laughs> now you need to laugh like something crazy. Yeah, laugh like something crazy. Okay, so then we have to go into curiosity, and I love how you said this on in one of, in one of your blogs. By the way, your site is beautiful. I love all the resources. It's fantastic, Joanne. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So you remind us to nurture curiosity as everything today is about business as unusual, you say, which I love. And we've been asked to live and work completely differently. Say more about that. So as, as I mentioned earlier, curiosity to me is just a wonderful characteristic. Yeah. Um, it helps you engage with the world in ways that are always rich and new. It helps you engage with other people in a way that is open and honest. Um, and so we are being asked to live and work very, very differently now, remotely, certainly for, for many people, as I said, as we discussed earlier with uncertainty. And so I think that there is an invitation here to learn how to be agile, mm -hmm. to learn how to be flexible, to learn how to learn again. And so if, if, if these problems and they are problems, I don't want, I don't want to sugarcoat the fact that this is, this is a really difficult time, but if we yeah. can say, if we can acknowledge that and say, what am I learning about myself? I'm going to go back to what I said before. What am I learning? What am I learning about working remotely? What am I learning about how much I need to be near colleagues? What mm -hmm. am I learning about the, 
the need for human touch. What am I learning about how much I can do on my own? And so acknowledging, even when, when part of the learning is something that we miss or that we're sad about, that's vital information. That's vital information for constructing what comes next. And so I mentioned that I absolutely love adaptive leadership as a model. And, and one of my favorite, um, I think, really easy to grasp um, approaches is if you think about how do I focus on what is absolutely essential for who I am, what I do, or again, this is an individual or a company can do this. What do I want to emerge out of this crisis? So essential, what do I, who do I want to be? Who do we want to be out of it? And then in order to do that, what do we need to eliminate? What do we need to let go of? What no longer serves? So curiosity isn't just about, oh, that's cool. Let me explore. That's a piece of it. But it's also what may no longer be necessary. Yeah. And can I give myself permission to say thank you and goodbye? Mm, Joanna's so eloquent and beautiful. I completely love that. And agree, of course. Uh, and now something that I, I haven't really said before and don't really position, but completely align with that you say is um, embracing the notion, declare yourself a contribution. That's so beautiful. Say more about that and how that works. So as I said, I'm, I, I have a real sort of mission-driven wiring about me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that all of us can be a contribution in the world. And contribution is, is I think, we have a very reductivist way of thinking about it sometimes in the United mm-hmm. States, like a, a financial contribution. And certainly, financial generosity is incredibly important. It's important in, in, in lots of different ways, in particular, of course, in the not-for-profit and philanthropic sector. So there's the contribution of money. There's the contribution of your time and talent. There's the contribution of your attention. And so all of us, if we think of declaring ourselves a contribution, we, we unlock our own innate generosity, which I believe most people have. And the exercising of that generosity gives you something wonderful to be proud of and connects you in meaningful and sustainable ways with people with opportunities, with issues, with communities, you name it. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about that is that also absolutely, it, it, by definition, that means you're focused on other people, helping other people. Yes. And, and of course, from my vantage point, you can't do purpose without being of service to other people. So I love that as well. And then, of course, we have to talk about this notion of how you distinguish being valuable versus invaluable. Talk mm-hmm. about that. So... Um, it was a, a really wise healer who, who shared this with me um, a number of years ago. And she said to me, you know, Joanne, you're so focused on being invaluable that you don't actually know your own value. And wow, that really put me back on my heels. And I had to unpack that to understand it. And the difference is, if you think about it, when you feel like you need to be invaluable, you're always, I'll do that, I'll do that, you're volunteering, you're doing anything because you feel that you're worth is tied to being available all the time, saying mm. yes, volunteering, being invaluable. Yep, she'll do it, no problem, right? I've been that person for a long, for many, many years. So I, I speak from experience and pain and that transformational growth we were referring to. Valuable is saying, hmm, I'm really good at this. And I'm going to marshal my resources and I'm going to focus 
on where I have value as a, as a friend, as a family member, as a coach, as a team member, and not worry about being everything to all people, i.e. invaluable. I'm going to really work on understanding my value and then offering it. Mm-hmm. I think that so that takes a little bit well, a little bit or a lot of bit of work to be able to distinguish that, which I know, which is part of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another part of your work that I really find quite, quite interesting and useful that I don't see a lot of people doing per se is you focus on integrating work and life. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite topics. So <laughs> I want to say that you can't I don't talk about integration without talking about boundaries. Okay. Think of them if you're holding a barbell. I think of have integration on one side and, and, and boundaries on the other, because if you have too much of one and not enough of the other, you're really out of whack. So when I say integration, and actually when people say to me, are you a life coach or an executive coach? I say, yes, because <laughs> I call it, I call it integrative coaching. Uh, so I've, I've, I've taken a leaf from the playbook of integrative medicine, which, which takes the best healing practices from Eastern and Western medicine and brings them to a patient. I bring the best of what I have found in personal and professional development practices and approaches and bring them in service of my clients. So integration to me is not about having, um, you know, picking up the phone at midnight. Integration is not about, you know, walking the dog while you're having a conference call. Integration is about understanding that you're bringing a whole self to work. Mm-hmm. You're integrating your skills and your talents and your perspective and everything you've seen, done, or experienced is going to filter into the workplace. So integration is an important concept for me in terms of understanding that who you are as a person and what you do as a professional are linked. Boundaries are critically important in that, though, right? When is the end of your workday, right? How do you carve that? Where is the edge of your workspace now and your mm-hmm. home space? Mm-hmm. And so boundaries are a very important part. They're sort of the container, if you will, Elise, in which integration can happen. Mm-hmm. So not literally or figuratively spilling out all over the place. <laughs> Fantastic, Joanne. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We run the with Joanne Heyman. She is the founder and CEO of Heyman Partners, widely recognized as a transformative force for good bringing a mission-driven focus to institutions across sectors, cultures, and countries. She joins us from New York City. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. 
I've got another announcement for you. So exciting. My book, Purpose Ignited, How in, in, Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause is due out November 17th on Amazon. You can order it now. The book is really designed to transform readers into inspirational leaders who radically alter the workplace and how business is done for the better. Register on gusto-now.com on the events tab and join me for the virtual launch Monday, November 16th. We're on from 12 to 2 central. I'll be sharing some of the key learnings from the book, getting attendees into breakout groups by their chapter interest, whether that's meaning, identity, passion, inspiration, or purpose, and giving away a few free books and other prizes. See you there. Joining us back again is Joanne Heyman. She's the founder and CEO of Heyman Partners. is widely recognized as a transformative force for good, bringing a mission-driven focus to institutions, across sectors, cultures, and countries. I'm your host, Dr. Luz Cortez. All right, Joanne, we're in the home stretch already. This goes so very fast. So in this segment, I wanted to talk about the application of your work. And so we've been talking about just how fun it is, how great it is, but I want to help our reader, our listeners and our viewers understand just the impact that you are making with your with your with the people that you're working with. And, and so first to start off here, I, I appreciate that you delineate on your blog that there are eight universal elements to describe successful transitions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can list all of them or if you're prepared, but can you name at least a few? Nope, I have my notes. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do our listeners or something they can and, take and home. And if anybody's interested in knowing a little bit more, just pop onto my website and it's all there. So I came to this after many years of work and, and, and looking across the, the, the clients with whom I work, I thought, you know, there clearly are some themes here. What can I tease out to help people? So there are really eight things that I believe, and this is my opinion and my experience. Um, I, I, I don't claim it to be any more universal than that. So the first is know thyself, right? A successful transition knows with, starts with really knowing yourself. What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What kind of work environments bring out the best in you? Which ones don't? Um, just ruthless honesty about who you are, where you glow, where you're frustrated, etc. Step two, face your fears. We all have them. Mm-hmm. You know, just like they say, um, you don't have secrets, secrets have you. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with fear. We all have it. There's nothing to be ashamed of, but you have to acknowledge it. Um, and is your fear related to financial security? Very real, right? Worth exploring. Is your fear related to imposter syndrome? Not worth exploring. Work worth working through. So there, there are all different kinds of fears. We all have them, but really understand what they are and face them because chances are they're not necessarily going to be a barrier to, tra- to, um, to transition, but there's something you need to know about. Three, ask smart questions, right? Really inform yourself. If you want to transition to a new position, a new company, a new industry, becoming a solopreneur as I did, Start to ask smart questions about people who have something valuable to say. And these people should be people who have direct experience with what you are interested in. So I'm not talking about Google research or website. I'm talking about person-to-person conversations where you can get some really important insights. Next, take small steps every day. I am a huge fan, and you'll see it all over my website, of James Clear and Atomic Habits. One of the things that's very important, especially if you're feeling stuck, is to take small steps. And and I work with my clients on how to break that down. And the small step may be scheduling that informational interview. The small step may be working on your bio or your LinkedIn summary. So the small steps may be interactive or they may be internal, but it's very important to do small things every day. Gain some momentum. Um, The next is request feedback. 
And by this, I mean, talk to people who know you well and really listen to what they say. Hey, where do you think I show up well? Where do you see me not performing at my best? Where have you seen me happy and aligned? Where have you seen me maybe shut down? So ask people who know you to hold up a mirror to you that can be very helpful. The next is, when I say sort of carpe diem, you're going to have to be ready to seize the day at some point. You are not going to have perfect information because there's no such thing. So you have to get comfortable with the fact that at some point you're going to take a leap and try to assess, you know, what that comfort level could be, maybe a little bit of discomfort in terms of what you're used to, but know that seizing the moment is going to be important. Next, create a system for accountability, right? Of course, I think coaches are great for this, but if you don't have a coach, that's fine. Who within your circle, your closest circles can hold you accountable and say, hey, Elise, you said you were going to work on that LinkedIn bio. I don't see it. How's it going? You know, those three people that you were going to have conversations with, what did you learn? It's sometimes it's help. In fact, it's almost always helpful for us to have people who can help us be accountable, not to what they say we should do, but to what we say we want to do. And then lastly, for goodness sake, have a sense of humor, right? Have laugh. Laugh, Laughter is so good. It's so good for us physically, emotionally, and in every way possible. You have to have a sense of humor. You're going to make mistakes. Not everything's going to be perfect. You might be silly. It's fine. Invite laughter into the process, and it will not only be more joyful, it'll probably be more successful. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners and viewers, did you hear that? That was a special gift for you. So please take, take that and, and, and go for it. If you didn't write it down, just go come back and listen to it again. It's well worth going through those steps. And there's also something on her on her website as well, her blog that talks about that. So you, you're, you're not alone. You're not on miss. Okay, I ask you to prepare and kind of think about something, maybe a, a case w- uh, with a client that you'd work with. And I wanted you to talk about what uh, his or her life looked like before you were working together and what was it like after? Mm-hmm. So this was a great, it was a great question, Lisa. I really am glad that you asked. It. And I, it, it let me go on a trip down memory lane. And so I, I chose the client who is, ex- she was extraordinary when she came to me, but she was a, a founder. I work with a lot of founders or first-time executive directors, presidents, CEOs, or C-suite. She was a founder and executive director of an extraordinary organization and was having a very hard time showing up as a very powerful presence with her board of directors. Mm. And like me, um, she's a petite woman, looks young for her age. I don't know that I still look young for my age, but I used to, and was really grappling with how do I show up as my authentic self? I don't want to pretend to be anybody else. But I need them to understand the gravitas um, of, of who I am, of what I'm looking to do without changing, without, without, being, without pretending to anything else. And so we worked a lot on understanding what she's awesome at, at focusing in on the vision, at, at focusing in on the impact she was looking to have, and then being unapologetic about asking for what she needed from her board in service of the vision, in service of the mission. And so now, as I said, she was spectacular when she got to me. But what we worked on and the transformation that I was able to witness was stepping into her own power with no apologies whatsoever, with great clarity. Um, And it will come as no shock that this organization has gone 
on to become very, very successful. She's raised an enormous amount of money. She's impacting the lives of, of scores of people in the community that she serves. And it was really about owning, owning her power, owning her voice, owning the, the appropriateness of asking for what was needed, whether that was attention or resources or authority. A mm. couple of things. First, I wrote down, if you saw me writing, I love the word gravitas. That is such a great word, right? So mm-hmm. we, when we can help our, the people that we serve to, to declare or, or access their own gravitas, like that's a real gift, right? So I, I think that so much of the work that we do, Joanne, is we're catalyzers, right? We're stirrers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people come to us whether or not they are seeking transformation, but they, they, often, they get it oftentimes. But why do you think people don't seek transformation? What is it that stops people from wanting that growth, from reaching out and asking, hey, Joanne, will you coach me? Elise, will you coach me? I, I think that it goes back to what we were talking about a couple minutes ago about fear. Mm. And I think for, for many people, there is fear of being just as successful as we, as we actually can be. Um, maybe that comes with a level of attention that we're not sure we're ready for. You know, transformation, as I said when I was talking about those three E's, does require eliminating things. Mm. Maybe what you have to eliminate and let go of is a story of yourself. Maybe what you have to eliminate and let go of is a having pursued a career path that wasn't really authentic, mm-hmm. who you are. Maybe there is a sunk cost of a degree you earned that wasn't really something that you were passionate about. And so that it's hard. It's hard to let go of some of these things. And I think that that's why transformational growth doesn't happen sometimes is that first of all, we don't, we don't recognize what I'm discussing. Um, and that we don't kind of have empathy for ourselves that going through this process and shedding something could involve some sadness or some saying goodbye, but it's in service of where we want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you reminding me, I don't know if you know Norman Wolf, but he was on my radio show a few, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about, and I completely align with this as an identity researcher, that in order for us to grow, the old identity must die. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of scary for a lot of people. Death is a scary thing as it is, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we're talk- what we're talking about here is already scary. So, um, listeners and viewers, what we're trying to get to here is we, we recognize how hard this work is, right? I always say to people, growth never happens when you're sitting comfortably on the couch with your feet up, watching a great movie. It never happens then, right? It's always when things are really hard and it's just, it hurts. It's uncomfortable, right? And who wants to go through that? <laughs> <laughs> Except when there's something bursting. Right, right, right. It's, yeah, I'm out. Trying to erupt, exactly. And so so there is this resistance to growth. And so what are some of the things that we can do to overcome that then? Make us more prepared. Make us more pliable. You know, part of it starts with dreaming. Mm, love that. Really dreaming. Like, what if? And not dreaming in a fantasy way, but dreaming in a, ah, who, you know, it's like it's like getting back, Elise, to that that childlike sense of possibility and wonder and you know what did you dream of being and and maybe that's something that will find its way into your day-to-day life and your pay job maybe that's something that can even find its way to how you spend your free time 
I think that's something also that we don't talk enough about when we're talking about workplace purpose and satisfaction, which of course is where you and I spend, you know, 95% of our time. But it may be that, that some of these things that give us joy and purpose are avocational and not vocational. And that's okay. If you think about your life as having chapters, and if you think of your career as having chapters, it may be that, that something is not going to be as prominent a protagonist in this chapter, but may come out a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love anyway, just starting with the notion of dreaming, as you're saying, because what that does is it opens possibility. It takes you out of today's realm, which may have perceived limitations to it in, into something else. And I love that. That's a great way to get out of, out of and overcoming the resistance to growth. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have two more questions for you because we're already running out of time here. It's crazy how fast this goes. I want to hear what you would say is the promise you see when more of us work from purpose across the globe. I see so much beauty. I, I, I see people showing up as their best selves. I see people when they're you know coming from purpose as being compelled by something greater than the immediate experience at hand. I see then more patience. I see better listening and relating. I see people playing the long game because they're going for that purpose. And and what we discussed at the beginning of the conversation, that impact. And so when I see my clients work from purpose, I see them rolling with the punches. I also see them being very directive. Right. So this is, this is that, that kind of barbell metaphor that I was using before rolling with the punches, but also being really clear about where it is we're going. Um, I think it allows for better communication. I think it allows for, um, also the joy of seeing other people living out their purpose. So a, diff- a whole different kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And I, I also, I would add all, I'm, I'm on board with all of that. And I, I would also add for our listeners and viewers that it also, it takes away really competition and makes us want to support mm-hmm. all of that because we all know that we're getting a better deal in this world when everybody's working for purpose. And I would also say that, especially now in this pandemic, I think if, we, if we've learned nothing, it's we all need everybody working and living from their purpose in order to create this new world that we're stepping into day by day. And coming through on whatever the other side is. And so I, both of us stand for this whole idea of living living and working with purpose or from purpose. So beautiful answer, Joanne. And then the last question, of course, is uh, even though this program is listened to from across the globe, we have both listeners and guests from across the globe that contribute to this. And the whole idea is to advance the conversation on helping people to, to live with passion come into a, a workplace that that allows them to thrive and, and to do business in a way that betters the world. Mm-hmm. What would you like to leave our listeners with? I want to give everybody a really big no expiry date permission slip to act like a leader wherever you are. Leadership is not a title. It's not a job description. It's not a box on an org chart. It's a way of thinking. And if you, if you behave as if you have permission to lead, you know, lead from your heart as yourself, lead within your community, lead within your organization, and really stand up and take responsibility for things that you think are important, um, you can indeed be that contribution and be incredibly proud of the way you show up. 
Beautiful way to finish, Joanne. I'm so glad I found you. Thank to our thanks to our common friend, Dr. Neha Sangwan. Thank you very much for coming, colliding into my path, into my my journey, and and being a, a light in the world and doing the work that you're doing to make the world a better place, one by one. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Well, thank you. I'm I'm so grateful um, that we met and that and that you invited me on and gave me this opportunity to be in conversation and to share some of the things that you and I care so deeply about uh, more broadly. Absolutely, Joanne. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about jo- Joanne Heyman and the work she does, start by going to her website. It's Heyman Partners. Let me spell that for you. It's H-E-Y-M-A-N Partners.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Steve Brown talking about his book, The Innovation Ultimatum, and how every company will become a technology and data company in the 2020s. We talked about the exciting ways big technologies like artificial intelligence, robotics, virtual and augmented reality, and 5G open up, 5G networks gave a great possibility for humans to partner with technology for a better world. It was very exciting and very illuminating and very encouraging and inspiring. I, it took away a lot of my fear of some of these big technologies, and I think it will yours as well. Next week, we'll be on the air with Howard Shore. He's the author of The Leader Launchpad, Five Steps to Fuel Your Business and Lift Your Profits. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.